Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the NDS podcast, the official podcast of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. My name is Eduardo de Pablo Fernandez from the UCL Queen Square Institute of Neurology. And in this special series from the NDS Congress 2022 in Madrid, we are discussing the advances on progressive supranuclear palsy research. For this, I have the pleasure to welcome Dr. Jaroslav Komta, consultant neurologist at the Hospital Clinic in Barcelona, investigator at the EDBABS Research Institute and associate professor at the University of Barcelona. And thank you very much for your time, Jaroslav, and welcome to the NDS podcast. Hello, and thank you to the NDS and yourself for inviting me to take part of this podcast. So it is exciting times for a progressive tuberculosis policy research and a lot of clinical research and other studies have taken place in the last few years. Would you like to summarize your highlights from those studies for us? Yeah, absolutely. I think that after several decades since its original description, I would want to forget to say a few words on the recent passing of Joe Steele, a co-author of the seminal description of the condition in the 60s and heavily involved in research of PSP and advocacy for the disease and an example to follow for all of us. So since its description and due to PSP being a rare condition, research was really challenging and difficult. But as you were saying, there's been a lot of developments and I think we can discuss some developments from neuropathology and genetics, biomarkers, clinical aspects, and the results of recent clinical trials. Let's start with the neuropathology and recently published the diagnostic criteria. Can you tell us what's new? Yeah, yeah, I think that sometimes you think, okay, neuropathology, PSP is at the wopathy, and we already know what everything that, that, that needs to be known. But I think that there have been a, a couple of interesting papers, one, the neuro, uh, neuropathological diagnostic criteria, but also the neuropathological PSP stages. So similar to the BRAC uh, synuclein stages for Parkinson's or the BRAC uh, tau stages for Alzheimer's, now we have PSP stages, neuropathological stages. And in contrast to the synuclein and, and tau stages, it is very clear that PSP is a very complex condition because there are different topographical patterns for the astrocytic and the oligodendroclial and, and the neuronal components of the tabopathy. But in spite of this uh, hurdle, the authors, uh, through complex matrix analysis, were able to define six stages. And to cut a long story short, because these are quite complicated, you can see that from the early stages, which is stage one, you get the involvement of the globus pallidus and the striatum and then the thalamic nucleus. And then from stage two, you get a very mild and initial involvement of the frontal cortex, but also of the several white matter and the dentate nucleus. And uh, then from stage four to the sixth stage, you get the involvement of the occipital cortex. So what the author saw in this paper is also interesting and something that has been said before, that seemingly the glial component of the tauopathy precedes the neuronal ones. So this is also something that probably might have implications in the future. And then we have the new neuropathological diagnostic criteria for PSP, and these are also interesting. And these new neuropathological PSP diagnostic criteria require the presence of neurofibrillary tangles or pretangles in at least two of the following areas, which are the globus pallidus, the subthalamic nucleus, and the substantia nigra, plus tufted astrocytes in either the perioral cortices or the, the putamen. 
So I think uh, both these uh, stages and these neuropathological criteria are interesting because they get it clear that PSP is mostly a subcortical condition with variable involvement of cortical areas, which are mostly the frontal and the parietal areas, and to lesser extent, the occipital area. And I am fond of this because we have this classification of PSP under the frontotemporal and the generational umbrella, and you cannot see the temporal loop in either the stages or the criteria. So maybe it's time for us to rethink <coughs> labeling PSP as a frontotemporal condition, and maybe as we are increasingly doing, just saying that this is a neuronal and glial for arthropathy with prominence of cortical and some cortical involvement. As you said, it's a very complex condition from a neuropathological point of view and also from a clinical point of view, and then probably <coughs> similar challenges were faced at the time where the MDS clinical diagnostic criteria were developed, and you were part of the group developing this diagnostic criteria. This challenging, this diagnostic conundrum makes the development of biomarkers to help with the diagnosis even more crucial. Would you like to highlight a few aspects of advances biomarkers? Absolutely, yes. In one of the plenary sessions, uh, Dr. Nicely covered this uh, complex uh, topic. It is true that the clinical diagnosis, in spite of the relatively recent MDS, uh, clinical diagnostic criteria for PSP are difficult, and these criteria are complex because we have four domains and three levels of diagnostic certainty and all the new phenotypes that have been added to the original phenotype of PSP. And yes, uh, biomarkers are most needed. So in the plenary session, several different possibilities uh, or avenues for biomarker development were covered. And I think that we could summarize it as uh, imaging and fluid biomarkers mostly. And in terms of imaging, obviously we have uh, MRI, which is a very readily and widely available tool that we have in all hospitals, but certain uh, techniques or sequences may not be that easily applicable. But uh, we have MRI tools like uh, midbrain measures and the MRPI that have been uh, published over and over to have high accuracy for PSP. But again, the consistency and the variability between measures sometimes is an important issue. Then we have other tools which are also relatively widely available as FDG-PET, so metabolism um, studies using PET imaging. And again, there have been over several years, different studies that have highlighted the potential of this tool to differentiate between types of dimensions on the one hand and between types of Parkinsonisms on the other. But again, the figures are variable and sometimes there is a concern on the lack of consistency. And there is now an important promise or this interest and attention focused on PET imaging of tau lesions or tau traces for PET. Mm -hmm. And over the last years, we have had a number of traces like SAD1451 or PHK5351 or more recently PI2620. And there is a promise that maybe these traces can allow for differentiating between tauopathies or maybe more cortical uh, binding in Alzheimer's and more subcortical binding in PSP, and then within PSP, so maybe Richardson's and uh, subcortical phenotypes like Parkinsonian variant of PSP, more subcortical binding, and then more uptake in frontal cortical areas in speech, language, and frontal behavioral variants of PSP. So this is, again, something that uh, more work is needed, and one of the future directions that needs to be covered uh, in multicentric studies, and is one of the areas of interest of the MBS-PSP and those study group, seeing if this PET imaging of tau 
may allow for an earlier diagnosis of PSP, for instance, in suggestive cases, which has the lower uh, clinical diagnostic set. And so you mentioned about the MDS endorsed PSP study group that you are a member and also talking about the future development of diagnostic tools. What's in the future pipeline for PSP research and also for PSP treatment? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, always improving our knowledge of disease because we all know nowadays that the PSP is for tauopathy. But again, putting all the money on a single horse may be risky and probably tau is not the only thing going wrong in PSP. So studies of other pathogenic pathways involved in PSP are important. And here I would like to mention a genetic study led by Ed Jabari, which was published last year. And with uh, using a genome-wide association approach, the authors found that a genetic variant associated with increased expression of LARP2, which is a well-known monogenic uh, cause of Parkinson's disease, was associated with a shorter survival in PSP. So we have known since the description of LAC2 that LAC2 can be associated with tauopathy as well, but this is further strengthening this link. And this might have a clinical implications. Nowadays, we are testing in Parkinson's disease LAC2 inhibitors. Should this approach show to be useful in Parkinson's disease, perhaps we could try to apply them in PSP or in certain PSP cases carrying these genetic variants. And then other lines that the NDS PSP group is pursuing is trying to get biomarkers not only for the diagnosis of PSP, but for an earlier diagnosis. So these suggestive PSP cases that you are not certain whether they will turn out to have actually PSP in the end or not. Having a tool, be it imaging or fluid biomarker, that gives you a higher likelihood or certainty that the person actually has PSP, this would be very important. And then in terms of treatment, we have been lucky in recent years, in spite of PSP being a rare condition, we have had a number of clinical trials. Unfortunately, in recent years, the trials with antibodies against tau have been negative. And there is also ongoing debate on how to interpret these negative results. But I think that for clinical trials, certainly still targeting tau in spite of these negative results must be conducted with immune approach or maybe with other approaches like anti-cells oligonucleotides. Uh, but then also obviously being open-minded and think about other possibilities for treating DSP. Maybe the LAC2 pathway could be one and there are others like the gene methylation and then other approaches. As you said, I think that your pathological and clinical complexity of the condition probably is secondary to a complex interaction of different uh, physiological avenues. And then definitely, I think probably a goal of them should be explored. Exciting times ahead for PSP research. And I hope that we can have great news in the next NDS uh, Congress. Thank you very, very much for your time, Slau, and I hope you enjoy that interview. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much.